Welcome to another episode of Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we break down the stories of your favorite games, games that you love, and even the occasional movie. Today, we have an interesting episode to say the least, as we are going to be discussing the super interesting, suspenseful game, The Suicide of Rachel Foster. Before we get into any analysis, just a quick couple of reminders that if you like the show, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on all major platforms. If you really want to show that support, you can head over to patreon.com slash and check out all of our awesome tiers. We also have a lovely merch page with new designs, which can be found at our site, sorechomp.com, where we also have a catalog of other podcasts, reviews written by the crew, and so much more. Okay. Let's get into some intros. Today, I am joined by Mr. Morgan Barnes. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing great. Happy to be here, Shay. Um, this is a game, Rachel, Suicide of Rachel Foster, that has some pretty heavy themes. And I want to say, you know, it was because we got this code from Evolve PR uh, from one-on-one games. Um I don't think I would have ever tried this game had I not gotten the code for it. But when I was, it would look like something that was kind of interesting, and I ended up uh, being glad that I, I checked it out. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Cool, man. Yeah i I don't think I would have played it had you not gotten the code. So it kind of had an interesting snowball effect. And by the way, my name is Shay. I will be your host for this episode. And as Morgan has stated. We are going to be talking about the suicide of Rachel Foster. So, a couple of quick warnings. Before we descend into the story, there will be spoilers. So here's the point of no return. If you haven't played or beaten this game and don't want to be spoiled, come back when you finish or when you've had time with the game. Second, there will be some talk about some possibly difficult topics. Our goal is not to offend anyone or trigger any negative feelings or memories within people. So we apologize in advance if anyone finds the subject matter too difficult to listen to. Okay, now let's get into it. The game starts off with an interesting preamble of spoken word and a player-controlled scene of the main character walking through a sea of umbrellas at a funeral in a top-down style. The player is reading through a letter from her mother recounting the memories of the main character growing up, mentioning the mother's husband's affair, and eventually telling the main character to sell the hotel that has been in their family for many years. Despite it being in their family for a long time, the mother feels it would be best for her daughter to move on from it. Right off the bat, the game throws the player into a difficult and heartbreaking conflict. The switching from the reading of the letter to the plodding through the sea of umbrellas 
attempts to draw the player in immediately, making up some ground on the lack of developing a relationship with any of the characters at this point in time. Did the way that the developers handled this draw you into the game immediately, Morgan, or was it at some later point in the game? Um, yeah, so that intro, I thought it was cool because it plays like basically no other part of the game. Like you said, it's an isometric view of a funeral. It's raining and you just kind of control someone shuffling by all these people. Um, and there's this really like haunting, beautiful piano piece. I actually played through the game twice to get all the the trophies, but I wanted to freshen up before the show on, on the storyline because I beat it like, it feels like a month ago now. Um, and it was, yeah, it's just a really nice sequence. I didn't, you know, at that point, you don't really know what's going on. It's like, okay, someone, her mother died and she's like reading these last, so this last sort of note to her daughter and telling you to go handle some stuff with this hotel that belonged to your family. So you're just, you know, I was intrigued, but yeah, you're just kind of putting the pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. They, they obviously later throughout the game, they kind of roll stuff out in a similar fashion where you don't always have the answers and you kind of have to figure them out. That's obviously the point of a mystery style game. I, I really yeah. liked that they started out the game with something pretty heavy, which is um, the death of the mother who wrote the letter to you, um, you being the main character. And I I like that it was broken up with, granted, it's such a simplistic concept, but you very slowly moving the main character through a sea of umbrellas. And it's the, it's the closest you get to getting any kind of uh, visual on the main character because it's a first-person game uh, besides this isometric view moment. So... I, I I don't know if I'd say it was a bold choice, but it was an interesting choice to have an isometric view of the main character that never comes up again throughout the rest of the game. It was really I, interesting. Very, um, it draws you immediately into the conflict, not necessarily the characters. Yeah, the thing I liked about it is that throughout the whole game, you never see anyone's face other than a picture of Rachel Foster on the wall, which I think is kind of important uh, in a weird way. But yeah, you never see anyone's face, and even during that funeral. You, they, you just see the top of the umbrella shuffling in the rain. You don't ever see anyone's face. So, uh, yeah, thematically I, interesting. I, I wasn't, I'm not quite sure if you end up seeing any photos of like your father, or your mother, or uh, any of the yeah. other characters in there. I didn't run it across any. They might, may be in there. I didn't run, run across them though. I don't know if you did. Yeah, I, it's escaping me right now. I can't say for sure. I just, but I just know that they made a good point of you know not showing one's face you know which is nice you know not uncommon in these sorts of games necessarily but yeah 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 for sure for sure um yeah Um, i do want to say also i apologize it's 101 games i um i messed up the name a little bit there at the beginning of the of the studio so uh, at the beginning of the podcast it's all good the name of the studio so (laughs) that's all good it happens (laughs) after the intro we take control of nicole the daughter who is called to go inspect the hotel that has been in her family for years in preparation for selling it. The caveat is that all proceeds should go to Rachel Foster, a teenager who committed suicide and was also involved in an affair with her father. She's called to inspect the building by Irving, a FEMA agent that is helping her as the investigator has not arrived due to harsh snowy conditions. Nicole arrives and does some looking around, 
As she prepares to leave, she is informed by Irving, who she continues to have contact with, that if she does not leave quickly, that she'll be stuck at the hotel because of the impending blizzard. Due to car troubles and the uh, inclemental weather conditions, alas, she doesn't leave quickly enough and is stuck in her family's hotel. When you, the player, are initially moving through the hotel, you have the option to look around all that is open to you. You get to hear Nicole's discussions with Irving, her contemplations, and witness through her eyes pieces of her younger days. What do you think are the positives and negatives of this type of storytelling, Morgan? Well, I mean, the, the big thing I was thinking about when I wrote my review for swordchomp.com, uh, plug, <laughs> um, was that, um, so the idea is that she hasn't been there in a long time. So she's just as lost as you are. And they give you this map of the hotel that you have to use manually. Like, it's not a game that relies on, like, shining objects necessarily yes if you move your cursor across something you can interact with you'll be able to tell but it's not like there's no bright waypoints if you can get lost you know it's she's just as discombobulated like she lived there when she was a kid but it's been a long time and um obviously she has some repressed uh damage from that time as well so i think it fit the theme of what's going on there where like she kind of vaguely remembers it, but she had to get help from this FEMA agent on the phone and she had that rink dink map and, and you as the player feel the same way. And I do want to mention that I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I don't see a lot of games that take place in Montana. So I thought it was really cool as someone who lives in Montana. And we always joke about this Shay cause you also lived in Montana. Um, when we started the podcast that we don't see a lot of games that are set here. And even though it takes whole thing takes place in a hotel, and you're mostly like reading like hotel clippings and talking to someone over the phone. I'm sorry, uh, newspaper clippings and talking to someone over the phone. You don't see a lot of games that take place in Montana. So I thought that was something I initially was really uh, interested in um, just from on a per- very personal right. level. But yeah. Yeah. I, one thing I will note is that uh, they did not initially when the first time you hear it, uh, Helena, which is the capital of Montana, some random factoids for you. Uh, collectors out there of facts but uh helena was pronounced incorrectly the first time i heard it in the game i think they pronounced it helena and i was like what the fuck you know i was being from montana i was like yeah i i caught that um that's how i I pronounce it to answer to answer my own question i um i would say i think the positives of this storytelling are obviously it builds up the suspense. This game is a suspenseful mystery game. I wouldn't quite classify it as horror, more of suspense. And by having her contemplate everything um, out loud, it really adds to it. And it really adds to the mystery of what the hell is going on. Um, Because obviously as you get further into the game, a mystery develops, uh, hence the title of the game. And you you want to figure you eventually get drawn in enough to where you want to figure it out or you're supposed to, and by having her having her talk through her logic with somebody and herself that it really lends itself to um, the mystery and it being a much shorter game than you'd expect a very compact game by just witnessing certain things in the in the hotel of her childhood and her discussing it with Irving that you get some character building there. 
and uh, it obviously, in theory, pays off later in the game. Uh, the thing I didn't really like about, uh, I guess I shouldn't say, well, yeah, I didn't really like about this kind of storytelling is that you really, I feel like you have to have some level of character development before you launch into something like this for you to really care about hearing kind of like her machinations, her, her, her thoughts, like her, her logic process. It, it throws you into it pretty much immediately. And she's a, the main character, Nicole is a very unlikable character at the beginning of the game by design, by design, but is a very unlikable yeah. character. So it's hard to give a shit about what she's thinking early on because she's so unlikable. Um, I think that they would have benefited from having a little bit more character development, even if it was something as simple as having like a single flashback with her mother to give her, her and her mother a little bit more context, a little bit more understanding of who these characters are. And that's going to come back into the conversation later on. But that, that those are kind of like the major things for me, like the positives and negatives of this kind of storytelling. Overall, I liked it. I just think that it could have been a little bit better. Yeah, she is kind of unlikable at first. I agree. Um, and like you said, by design, I think the premise for me is what what made me intrigued until the moment. I remember the moment I was kind of like got hooked too. But um, because you know, I didn't really know what kind of game it was. Like I knew from the title it was something that dealt with heavy themes, right? I didn't hear a lot about it because it was a smaller game that sort of had kind of mixed reviews. Um, I didn't see a lot of the promotional material. I had no idea what kind of game it was. I figured it was something like an Edith Finch or a Firewatch, but I had no idea. So, and then you get into this hotel and you're like, is this a horror game? Is it a drama? Is it just, I had no idea what the fuck kind of game it was. So like, that was what was kind of pulling me on until that moment very early on where you get trapped in, in the freezer. And I think at that point I was like, oh my God, this is going to have like psychological horror stuff. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. I think it lent the the way the storytelling work lended itself to those moments very well. I will say that. But all right, let's get back to the story. So after Nicole is trapped in the hotel, she figures that she has to prepare herself to stay for an unforeseen amount of time. Irving, who has been in the hotel before having known Nicole's father, helps guide her and keep her company as she turns on the furnace to the hotel, turn on the power, and procure food, which turns out to only be beans. Which I thought was kind of a cute little detail, funny little detail, but... Throughout the first few days, there's a lot of rapport being built between Nicole and Irving as they are working together. During this time, despite Irving being there via phone call, the player, through Nicole, feels alone. This feeling is amplified by ambient noises dim lighting in certain areas, moving through suspect locations such as pathways through the walls, and clever music choices both in choice of song and when and when not to have music. While playing through the first few days, Morgan, did you feel any kind of foreboding threat or did you just chalk it up to simply being alone in a creepy hotel? No, no, I I was curious what it was. Like, I'm like, is this... real traditional horror is it like supernatural is it psychological is it in her head like you're running i think what makes the game work for me and why i would encourage people that if they think this game is interesting to actually not listen to the show until 
they want to check it out is like for me a lot of it was the journey and wondering like what the fuck is happening like so i think it's a big part of it until you get to the end not that i'm saying i didn't like the resolutions and stuff but that sort of what kind of you know is going on here is a big part of the pool for me yeah yeah i i will agree with you in that um I was trying to figure out what was going on as well. Like you, I didn't really know what was going on, like what kind of game this was. And you get in the first few um, days because it's game is broken up after you get to the point where you get stuck in the hotel. It's broken up by days. Like you have certain goals to meet every day. And the first few days, you're really trying to figure out, like, is this horror? Like Morgan said, is it supernatural? Is there like, is there foul things at play here what what is going on because obviously when you're in the hotel you start hearing things and you start seeing things like flickering lights and you're you're suddenly like am am i really alone is this just an old an old hotel that hasn't been active for years like what is going on exactly it reminds you the power of just being alone in a large space by yourself uh like what that can do with your head um also they like whenever you first get trapped in the freezer and the fema agents on the phone and he's been down to that hotel over and over again he tries to warn you he's like by the way the door on the fridge is stuck and she's like well fucking thanks for telling me i was scared shitless trapped in the fucking freezer thought i was gonna die and so in my head i'm like well is are they just gonna is it gonna be a cheap game are they just gonna pull these cheap psychological thrills you know what i mean and and that'll work itself out later but that that guessing is was fun for me yeah it it was definitely fun i think they did a really good job the developers did a really good job of um building uh, an atmosphere because i i remember messaging you about this i was like man this game is fucking with my head like i don't know why i was so drawn into the atmosphere of this game but i was (laughs) i was dude like i was playing at night one night and i was halfway asleep and I'm playing, and I'm trying to beat the game. I'm on the final legs without revealing anything yet. But I remember being freaked the fuck out. And so I messaged one of my friends that's in my apartment building. I'm like, hey, are you busy right now? Because <laughs> I, I was getting so <laughs> fucking wound up by the, by the atmosphere uh, of this game. Yeah, yeah just, just sit here. But, like, it was, it was funny because, like, I was, as I was writing this script this morning so we could talk about it, I was watching um, the YouTube video based basically a walkthrough a playthrough of what happens in this game and i started feeling uncomfortable again i was like i know exactly where this game goes but i still feel uncomfortable and i think it really speaks to the the atmosphere that the the developers built in this game um and to go ahead no no i was i was was gonna say very quickly that the one thing i liked was that your the area you stay in like your room and the, the rooms around it like did start to feel like a cozy little area for me because like, even when I back through it the second time the hotel when I left my room always felt like kind of a creepy place but like my little room because it was still set up like your room when you were a kid and everything in like that little area just felt like this nice little cozy nestle that I had um yeah it's know, supposed to be like your safe like your yeah, base safe essentially but yeah, yeah I I I definitely felt something foreboding like the second that her car battery or whatever her car wouldn't start i was like all right something's fucked up here something's like as soon as that happened i was like all right something's fucked up here this is the kind of game it's gonna be 
for sure. Well, she said she like locked in her her keys in, or she couldn't find them. I forgot exactly what it was, but she was like, and then the the door was froze, and the, she did not prepare well. I can tell you, as people that live in Montana, she came up there, she was eating beans because she didn't bring any food. It was like, no, you did not prepare very well for your trip. Well, I think I think they captured that well, very well, actually, because so many like there are people who back when I lived in Bozeman or. You'd hear um, new people in the military. They'd move to Montana, and they they're sitting there like flying on Tenth Avenue in Great Falls through the snow, or flying on Maine and Bozeman, not knowing like how winter is in Bo yeah. or in Montana. Winter is brut- not the most brutal, like some Montanans would have you believe, but it is pretty brutal in Montana, and people really aren't aware of how brutal it can be. And so I think that they the developers. I don't know if they did research on this or it was just inadvertent, but they captured that idea really well that people who come to Montana during the winter don't realize how brutal it really is. And they often come <laughs> underprepared or unprepared altogether. I thought that yeah, was a cool yeah, little exactly. touch. I really did. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's, let's jump back into the story really quick. At the end of day three, Nicole finds lipstick on a desk. Lipstick that she claims is no longer made and lipstick that she used to use and also claims that should be quote unquote bad at this point. I don't quite understand how lipstick goes bad, but I never use it. So that'd probably be why. Anyways, this sets off in her mind. That's <laughs> something. Lie, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to think about it that hard. This sets off in her mind that something weird is happening, despite Irving claiming that it's most likely coincidence. This prompts Nicole to start investigating what has happened with the whole situation with her father and Rachel Foster. In day four, we see that Nicole has set up a wall of clues to assess what she knows thus far. She discusses it with Irving, trying to hammer out the logic of the situation. She also learns more about the situation throughout the investigation. On day five, She has a strange and ethereal dream where she is walking in the snow in the woods. She can see a fire in the distance as she walks towards it. She can hear her father's voice as she calls out to it, but she is a younger version of herself. When she reaches the fire, it is revealed that her father is not calling out to her, but to Rachel. Nicole sees what looks like a retainer on fire, and the dream ends. Her father during this dream is talking about celestial beings, a.k.a. stars, and how when humans see their light, the light of the stars, we are seeing stars that are both alive and dead at the same time. He is saying, I love you over and over again, and Nicole learns that this wasn't a dialogue between her and her father, but him directing it at Rachel. With the dialogue and seeing the retainer on fire, do you remember what you thought was going on at this point? Um. Yeah, I had no idea. That part was really weird, honestly. And I was just trying to absorb sort of the symbolism and what was going on there. There's a retainer on the cover of the game. That's it's it's a it's a really interesting logo they have. It's a retainer upside down, I believe, that looks like a butterfly. Um, and there, there's some stuff we'll get into there later, but I will say, um, yeah, I didn't know, but I said briefly, you talked about chapter four where that she puts all that evidence up on the wall. 
or everything from her past. And she's kind of talking through it with Irving because like, he's just this FEMA agent that's supposed to help her kind of survive with basic questions. Right. But then they sort of develop a, a friendship just like in firewatch. Um, they sort of developed this friendship and then she calls on him when she just wants someone to talk to because she's alone in a fucking hotel and their relationship is really growing a lot during this time. And she's rattling off all these newspaper clippings and everything about Rachel and how she committed suicide. And she's kind of trying to piece together her memories that she's sort of repressed for a long time. Uh, and that chapter, for some reason, (laughs) for some reason, I don't know if you've seen Minority Report, Shay, but for some reason... Uh, I had that scene from Minority Report where Colin Farrell is talking about an orgy of evidence. Um, and it was like, you know how many times I've seen an orgy of evidence? Never. And I just, I don't know, when she was <laughs> had all that stuff on the wall and she was looking at all this stuff, I was like, it felt like up until that point you had so many questions and then you got an orgy of all this information, which was really cool. Like, you just sit there literally for 10 minutes and you just click on things. You click on this. You click on this journal that her father left. You click on this. And it's kind of long-winded, but you learn so much. And the second time through the game, I was, like, zooming in on the pictures and, like, finding all these little hidden gems in there. Um, you're learning about how the the father would actually get in these religious debates with Rachel's dad because he was a pastor. The the sixteen year old girl that he was had an affair with her her dad was a pastor and like her dad was like this trying to be like this sort of intelligent free thinker guy so he'd get in these big debates with this girl's father which was like a weird detail you just learned a bunch of just strange pieces that you were trying to piece together in in your head at that point and uh, yeah it's interesting yeah this is a question I actually had for a little bit later but I think we can address it now because it, it's going into that. And I'll come back to the main question I asked you to answer that in a little bit. But I think I really didn't like that part, actually. And the reason why I didn't is because I felt like one of the big issues with this game that I had was that the developers don't utilize the hotel to its fullest potential. I feel like there are three or four locations that you really are in at all times. And then the rest of the time, you're just kind of plodding along in this empty hotel. And of course, that's part of the point. It's supposed to feel, like I said, very foreboding and very ominous. But there's the environment is so cool. The world that they built in just this hotel is so awesome. And they have all these different locations. And it feels like they just like there's so much more they could have done with it. And so. I, I see where you're, why you're saying you liked that particular section where they roll out all the information at once, but I think it would have been much cooler for them to have included some of that information in various parts of the hotel and for you to have to search for it. I, I, I don't understand why they would have built such a cool environment for you to not explore some of these questions and just for them to throw a bunch of answers or a bunch of interesting facts into one crammed little room in the hotel because it's the hotel is so fucking cool. I wanted to explore it and find more hidden secrets and stuff, which there are a lot of those in there. But I think to have some of those more meaningful um, aspects of this mystery hidden within various parts of the hotel would have definitely been better to in order to showcase that environment that they built i don't know if you feel the same way but i i just i love the hotel and i wish they would have explored it more it's i feel like 
we maybe had different experiences because I got lost more. Um, I saw a lot of that hotel during two of the gameplay sequences that I thought were really cool ideas where you use the camera as a flashlight and you use the, the EMF device to locate sound. I would kind of get twisted around during some of those a little bit. So I felt like I saw probably more than I should have, but you do. I mean, I don't disagree with your premise that you could find another way to deliver that information. I just didn't think that the, the way they did it was necessarily detrimental to my enjoyment. Um, no, but, um, no, it's not detrimental. And, the one thing I will say is, don't you think, though, that if they would have included those kind of things where, oh, this I found this thing in this room, it would have been more of like a landmark because you're like, oh, okay, uh, at, further in the game, you start going to other locations and you know where those locations are because something major happened there. So you're not going to forget that. And you're like, oh, I need to go to this room. It's by this other room I was just at mm-hmm. two days ago. Like, I felt like it would have given the hotel more more land giving the hotel more landmarks by going to more locations doing things would have caused both you and i because i got lost a lot in that hotel too i would have gotten lost a lot less because i would have been like oh this is where i just did this i know that's where that is and i need to go to a place a few doors down the hall from this it would have given more context to the hotel i think was the um the room that you were next to hers was that her father's room Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, so that, my that understanding was, was that just... was basically her, her family's, uh, where the, her family's quote unquote room, their apartment where they lived before everything happened. And then when, were and you learn this a little bit yeah. later when things come to a head, her and her mother leaves, her father stays there. Yeah. I think thematically just because she was, all that stuff was sort of laid out in those rooms where her family stayed. I felt like it made sense, but that's interesting. I I mean that's uh that's an interesting uh, thought. I hadn't. Um, I I, they, I do feel yeah, like the I, game will at least take you to every environment once per in the story. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're saying you just wish you could have seen more of the hotel. I get that. Yeah, yeah. I just I wish there was more more detailed exploration of these certain areas. Like I felt like uh, you explore the church, you explore the ballroom, you explore. Room 117, you explore the marked-off section, you explore her bedroom, you explore the front lobby area, and those are all great, and the garage, and those are great locations, but it's like, there's all this other stuff in between that it would have been yeah. cool to have some other I, things in there. Again, maybe because I was lost, and I'm an idiot, I felt like I had a different experience, but uh, I was lost I do... too, don't worry about that. I will say that, my, but weirdly enough, my primary criticisms were not narrative related. They were like that. I thought those ideas were really cool with the camera and the EMF. But like eventually, because I was lost or like I felt like, OK, I'm holding this up and I'm hearing a sound over here and I kept chasing it and then it would go away. I'd move it and think and then I would get lost. And anyways, I had to one of those I had to look up. I don't remember if it was the camera or the EMF. And it was like a very obvious thing. Like I just felt like. Those sections were not as um, finely tuned as I as I liked them to be, even though they were cool ideas. Did you get lost, or was that just Agreed. me? No, dude, I got lost. I got lost okay. a lot. So I, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's the the map system wasn't the greatest in the game, to be honest with you. But uh, but whenever you pulled up the EMF, I was like, oh, are we dealing with ghosts here? Maybe it is supernatural. You know what well, I mean? Because that, that's what they that want was you like, to think. Is Rachel still alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. And that, there's yeah. that newspaper clipping where that girl's like, I saw Rachel in the hotel recently. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? You know, 
anyways yeah yeah i yeah it's it's interesting at this point because it really really has the questions kind of brewing and to go back to my original question of day five when you have that kind of i won't say paranormal dream but this ethereal dream of her walking towards this flame with her father you really start wondering what the hell is going on why you're looking at a retainer on fire um I was conf- I was confused at this point. I was like, "What the what the hell is going on?" Um, I think that it's opened up later. It is mentioned later because I was like, "Why the hell is he talking about celestial beings?" But it's mentioned later um, that he was a philosopher. That he often he was big into astronomy, which is uh, one of his things. So, um, yeah, I saw some. Yeah, I don't necessarily. There's some criticism about like him as a. I don't know. I don't. Let's talk about that later. Go ahead. Let's move on. Okay, okay. The next day, Irving calls Nicole in the morning and informs her that he has found VHS tapes in his office of an old TV show that would investigate paranormal sightings. They shot an episode at the hotel that never aired. Irving tells her that the TV crew may have left their filming items in the hotel behind after being scared off. This sets Nicole off to gain access to the room to see what they discovered. After locating a screwdriver, she lets herself in her room 117, where the crew, excuse me, where the film crew stayed. She locates a microphone that she takes. She also locates a VHS tape that she watches of the crew filming themselves. Something scares her, and they run away. The following day is Christmas Eve. Nicole tries to tell Irving to go home but he insists on staying at the office to help Nicole and keep her company. She begins to talk about some difficult memories with Irving when she begins to hear a noise. She walks through the hotel with a microphone, and she begins to hear voices and chimes. She walks around the hotel and figures out the sound she hears is the chandeliers that were taken down years ago in the ballroom of the hotel. She goes down there and finds a picture of a time where she remembers seeing her father being enamored with Rachel at a ball for the first time. We see Nicole as she slowly breaks down her walls. At the start of the game, she was cold and angry, often being downright rude to Irving. As the days go on and she continues her investigation, She becomes kinder and more open as she discusses what she remembers about the incident with her father and Rachel. As a character, how did you feel about Nicole and her character arc? Uh, it was... I wasn't, like, over the moon about it, but it was effective enough, I thought. Um, you know, her, she, her transformation. I was more interested in what was happening to her than her. But I thought, mm. you know, her vocal performance, I said this in my review, I didn't feel like anything was on par from, like, the the performances, um, like, it wasn't on par performance-wise with something like Fire and Watch between the two actors, but it was still pretty good. And yeah. It was a f- yeah, it was it definitely was serviceable to enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And it had its moments, so yeah. Yeah, more, more about the things happening to her than her. I thought her arc was, was fine. Yeah, and that's fair. I think that's kind of how I felt, too. Like, I didn't really start to gain any kind of empathy for her until probably day seven 
if I were to mm-hmm. recall correctly. Like the whole like Christmas Eve is when she really starts to break down the walls and stuff. That's day six. I started to like her as a character at that point, and then I really started to have empathy for her around day seven, if I recall yeah. correctly. Um, she her war, her warmer moments are are better, obviously, but like her, per, she takes a little getting used to because her her vocal performance is very like it's supposed to be a little bit abrasive, kind of uppity city lady, but also she's a strong character but that can kind of make her feel a little like the way she's strong is it can be a little abrasive um but yeah i, I kind of feel this the same way you do yeah i i can see that being the case and i think that was a smart choice by the devs to have her be that way because she just lost yeah. her mother you know and she's now having to go back to a place um that she left years ago to confront um some very difficult childhood memories so I think it made sense uh, the way her character develops. Um, I mean, there's I, nothing better than confronting your horrific childhood memories where your father had an affair with a 16-year-old and got her pregnant, and then she committed suicide by going back to the hotel where it all happened and getting trapped there in a blizzard. Yeah. What a, be- what a great way to face your demons. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that they they made some great choices there. I guess the one thing that I would have liked is to give her some redeeming qualities early on because it seems like she's just like a fucking angry (laughs) asshole. I don't don't have another way to put that. How did you feel about Irving up to this point? The guy she's talking to, the female guy. So at this point, I I was interested, like, um, without giving anything away... I I was curious as to, you know, his role, I guess, in all of this. because Why he was so kind to her and everything? Well, yeah. it, I, I didn't feel like that. I felt like he was developing some kind of feelings for her. And that's yeah, actually definitely. alluded to in day six when mm-hmm. um, she's using the microphone. He keeps trying to, like, confess something to her. And she's like, dude, yeah. shut up. I'm trying to figure out where these noises was, are coming. That was kind of fucked up. It was just, that was a weird thing. Yeah. He's all like trying to like pour his emotions out there. And she's like, shut up. Shh. I, I'm in the middle of a haunted fucking hotel right now. Right. Right. Oh, and I totally get funny. where she's coming from, but yeah, it's, <laughs> he also didn't have the best timing in the world, but it was pretty, I, I funny, thought that was really funny. funny. That was funny. There's an, a funny anecdotal story here. The, when I first started that chapter, and this is a game you don't want to push the edges of too much because it can break. I, um, I right when it started, before they started talking, I turned to the left and saw that that closet where all the, every all the junk was, Shay, and the camera was was empty, and you could actually walk in there, and there was a secret path you could take that would like take you into the walls of the hotel. Yep. I immediately went into that, and it skipped a ton of dialogue on accident, and I didn't know that. Um, I ended up getting lost and then the game crashed and I was like, well, that was weird. And the next <laughs> time I restarted, I walked out and didn't go that way. And they just started talking about all this stuff and he was pouring his heart out to her in a weird way. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this, I was really fucked myself. So because it's a smaller game, I found that like, it's not the kind of game you necessarily want to like, just push the edges of too much. But I just thought it was a funny story. I just was like, oh, I can go this way. And then <laughs> the game did not like yeah. that at all. I. Well, that, that's that's the thing is like I, I was pushing into areas I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't supposed to be pushing into pretty early because I really liked the environment and I wanted to explore it. Check that's it one out, of the yeah. things. 
the detriments of something like this too unfortunately is it's so in like it's there's so much there that if you miss like investigating something you miss some dialogue and sometimes that mm-hmm. is fine it's just it is what it is but sometimes it's pretty cool character building stuff and relationship building stuff between those two characters um yeah th- to simply answer your question i enjoyed irving much more than i enjoyed uh nicole i thought he was what yeah, kept me yeah. going honestly because he he was really he was really sincere in wanting to help her and to just be there for her because i feel like also part of it too was he knew you know what what a difficult thing she was going through like her mother just died she had to return to um a place where something very tragic happened so he was trying to be empathetic and help her to the best of his ability yeah yeah i agree i i like stories that kind of revolve around the idea of like growing like forcing almost like almost a romantic but like a connection with someone you've never met that's why i really like um, it can be a lot of times in science fiction, like in her, it's like, so it's a AI that he's developed with, right. Or in firewatch, another similar game, they never have met each other, but they talk to each other so much that if you feel like, I love the power of just showing how close you can feel to someone simply by talking to them, never looking at them, never being around them. I think that's yeah. an interesting thing to show. It's not necessarily revolutionary, but interesting. no, no. And I, it's funny as you were gearing up. To what you were going towards, I was like, he's going to mention her within like the first two yeah, seconds. Yeah, I, know. I have to, <laughs> it is, and yeah, it's it's a little bit of a different example, but yeah, that stuff's interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's jump right back in here. Uh, as in. this one's going to be a little bit longer. Yeah, On Christmas we're Day, close to the end, huh? We're we're starting to get there. Yeah. On Christmas Day, she wakes up in the abandoned church attached to the hotel. She goes back to her old room calls Irving and tells him she thinks that she sleepwalked to the church. He calms her down and she collects herself. She goes back to the church to investigate, talking with Irving about her mother and father. She remembers that there is a secret storeroom of decorations that her mother and father told her that she could go to when she was older. Her father gave her a riddle to locate it for some reason. Nicole and Irving solve it and she goes to the room. Nicole finds a room that looks like it is for a child. There are drawings of a telescope, a piano, windows, and a bookshelf full of books. As well as a window drawing. Not an actual window, but a window drawing. There are also children's toys, and it all reminds Nicole of Rachel. Rachel finds a key to her old music box. Irving demands that he calls the authorities and tells Nicole to leave the hotel. But Nicole stops him, saying that she needs to solve the mystery. Nicole also finds a retainer case, but there's no retainer inside. Irving suggests that Nicole's father built the room in memory of Rachel, and Nicole finds the suggestion offensive, hanging up on Irving. She tries to think through what she knows about the mystery, and she begins to convince herself that Rachel may still be alive or that she lived in that room at one point. She plays her music box and it reminds her of that last night that she played hockey. She set a record and was excited to tell her father, but it ended up being the same night that Rachel was found dead. 
So Morgan, you messaged me about this privately. You were confused about the room and why it looked like a child's room if Rachel was 16 years old when she died. Now, I don't want to talk about the room quite yet. That's going to get into some okay. spoiler stuff at the end. But what I do want to talk about right now is the inconsistencies of some of the logic of the game. The game wants you as the player to go along with some of Nicole's logic. And she tries to parse out why this room exists, thinking that maybe Rachel lived there. I think this is indicative of a bigger issue with this game, is that at times the logic to get you from point A in the story and the mystery to point B requires some magic leap or sorry, magic massive leaps and in logic and belief to kind of get there at times. The game is great. And at times it's really inconsistent. So before we get into the final day and the answer to the mystery, what do you think would have helped make this game a little bit more cohesive in terms of story? Well, I think it'd be better to answer that. Do you have an uh, an example of like something that you felt like you had to? I think you're talking about like a um, you say like a leap, like a uh, suspension of disbelief to some degree. Like, do you have an example of yeah. something we could yes. discuss? Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. This room is a prime example of that. Um, oh. Her reaction is, "Oh, maybe Rachel lived here," and you're supposed to like. I think the way I felt it was framed story wise is that you as the player is supposed to be like, oh, that could be possible. That Maybe that's a part of this mystery. Maybe, she, Or maybe she's still alive living there. And it's like, this room was designed for a fucking five-year-old. There's a rocking chair in the room. And there's, it looks like a five-year-old, or not five-year-old, probably like a 10-year-old painted these different things on the wall. And I'm supposed to believe Rachel is still alive and living in that room? Like... The the leaps of faith that the game asks you to take at times is just a little bit preposterous. Um, I I see what you're saying, but like you actually explained it to me in a way later on that actually made it make more sense to me. But um, I without jumping ahead, I will say that at that point in the game, I was still very confused as the player as like was it is it supernatural? What's happening here? So I don't think I felt quite as taken back as you did. Um, I did have that one big question that I posed to you later, and then we were able to talk about it. But I think at that point, I was still very like, what the fuck? There is a cool moment where you follow like um, um, a butterfly into that room, which I thought was because I was getting a little bit lost, and all of a sudden you see this glowing butterfly looks exactly like the retainer pulling it all back together. Um, and you, and that did feel very supernaturally and that's like floating toward the room and it shows you where the secret room is, which I thought was like a really nice artistic touch. But in general to you, Shay, I would say at that point, I was still like, what the fuck? Like anything goes at this point. I don't know what this is. Is it supernatural? Is it like a rape room? I don't understand. Like it could be anything. So that's why I didn't have quite that like believability issue because at that point I didn't know what to believe. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, going back to watch pretty much this whole story unfold to write this script there are just some there's some major inconsistencies with this story which is i think possibly partially why it's been reviewed so poorly uh, it does not have a good review score in a lot of places unfortunately i think some of it's a little bit harsh but i think some of it is valid too um for instance when you're walking around the hotel and you hear chimes and you hear voices, um, and you're supposed to believe it's supernatural, but they never really, really explore 
where those chimes are coming from. And granted, if it's supernatural, you chalk it up to supernatural. You're like, well, it's unexplainable at that point. There's no way I'm going to be able to explain it. But they don't do enough groundwork for you to understand, okay, these supernatural things are happening. It's not consistent enough. You know, at, at some moment, she she's lo- making these logical uh, jumps in what's happening in this quote-unquote mystery and it seems very logically based and then all of a sudden it's very supernatural and then it's back to logic and it's back to science and it's back to uh coincidence and it's like it's not necessarily bad it just felt like i was being wrenched one way and wrenched another way and wrenched back another way and then put half the way between and i felt like i was just constantly being jerked and i i like it to a point that they were that the developers were doing that but it felt like i was being wrenched from one extreme back to the other extreme uh like seeing a butterfly a glowing butterfly flowing floating it's like well there's no way you're gonna fake that that's gonna be supernatural but that's damn near on the the far end of the spectrum of supernatural and then you're wrenched back into thinking about all of this logically and it was just like it happened all in the span of a few minutes because you're viewing this very supernatural thing and then you go see this crazy room and then she goes back to her apartment and she's trying to logic all of this out not even thinking about i just followed a fucking butterfly to her room there's like no dialogue about that at all like you just completely blow by the fact that you just followed a glowing butterfly to a fucking room that you cannot explain and she doesn't care about the butterfly she cares completely about what she witnessed and that's fair that's fair but like there's no there's no whatsoever acknowledgement of the butterfly and it's like i'm supposed to believe that she wouldn't have been like yeah the, the the cherry on top of this fucking fucked up pie is i followed a butterfly in there what the hell is going on there's no acknowledgement of the supernatural by the main character and i think that was where a lot of my inconsistencies yeah. of it came from and and i think that's like whenever we talk about stories on the podcast a lot like you want a little more of a grounded thing there and i totally get that like i'm a little weirder in that way like i don't mind a little bit of sort of like a vague I wouldn't even say super, it is supernaturally, but I was sort of getting like this hotel because of her trauma was sort of playing tricks on her. And I don't, because it's a video game, I don't mind if there's some nice little, you know, spiritual touches there. Like, I don't need to explain why she saw a glowing butterfly take her to this room. I understand if someone does. But like that stuff to me is is kind of why I like games and and certain forms of media in general, because it is a little, it doesn't have to be perfectly explained in that way. It could just be sort of an artistic touch, something spiritual. Um, maybe it's her, her head playing tricks on her, especially cause that all happens right outside of that church, that, that church that's right in there. So I don't, I don't necessarily blame you for feeling the way you do. Um, but I, I like that stuff. I think for the reason that you don't like it. I, I can see that. I just, a game that's trying to open the mystery of the supernatural then doesn't address the supernatural just didn't quite sit well with me. Um, maybe you're not supposed to think about it too much, but. I also feel like the game does try and push you to the point of thinking about the supernatural, especially with that ethereal dream in day five. Um, so Do you I think just, maybe just because of the trauma that she dealt with, maybe it was like just some like um, psychological, you know, sort of hallucinations or something along those lines? No. And there's a reason why 
um i think that which we're gonna get into because i'm about to break and i'm mm-hmm. about to break the whole mystery wide open and i'm gonna tell you why mm-hmm. because the first time i thought like exactly what you just said watching it again i realized that there are some things that i didn't quite pick up on that sitting down and watching it made me realize what i missed so um without further so ado, you said you you were more okay. on board the Okay, good. No, go ahead. Let's let's get to the. It'd be easier to talk about once we get all the plot stuff out. I think. Yeah, this is this is going to be about a page worth. So I apologize in advance uh, <laughs> that you're going to have to sit here, but it's a lot of information at once. How dare you? Eh. On day nine, Nicole ends up at the front of the blocked off section at the hotel. She calls Irving and apologizes. She recounts more of that night that Rachel died to Irving, reasoning that she needs to go to a storeroom to find some additional information. She goes into the storeroom and finds a bunch of creepy mannequins in a reddish light. In the center, there's a mannequin on the floor holding a baby, with another mannequin standing above it holding a hockey stick. Her stick. She figures it to be someone telling her that Rachel was murdered. She calls Irving and tells him what she sees, asking him to call the authorities. He doesn't answer. Shortly later, he calls back, and his demeanor has changed. He begins to talk cryptically and orders her to keep going. She goes to the blocked-off section, and it's opened. She goes to an open door and finds plans from someone. Plans to break down her car engine information about Rachel, information about Nicole, and much more. Irving calls her and tells her that she found his room. He reveals that he organized all of this to bring Nicole here to learn of the truth of what happened. Irving tells Nicole that he is the brother of Rachel, another childhood where he looked up to her, but she was constantly made fun of at school for being dyslexic. He tells her of her meeting Nicole's father, who loved her for who she was. But how that love caused repercussions for both of their families as Rachel was killed. Irving tells Nicole that she must be the new witness to the story. Nicole finds a video that her father made her in... Excuse me, sorry, let me reread that line. Nicole finds a video that her father made her of his sadness that Rachel is dead because of his love. He tells Nicole to find out what Rachel wants because she is still there in the hotel. Just then, something writes on a chalkboard next to the projector. Murderer. Nicole finds a key to her mother's old car. Nicole goes to the basement, to the garage, and finds a blanket inside. She takes it to the laundry room, and she begins to wash the blanket. The basin is filled with blood and Rachel's retainer. Nicole remembers and recounts the night that Rachel died. As her and her mother were preparing to go to her hockey game, she saw her mother in the garage frightened in a way she had never seen before. Her mother told her that she was cleaning her hockey stick. They went to the game together. As Nicole was playing, she looked for her, the mo- her mother in the bleachers, but her mother was nowhere to be found. Nicole realizes 
that her mother killed Rachel for having an affair with her husband and put her in the trunk of her car. During the game, her mother went to dump the body. Nicole is overcome with grief for allowing herself her to forget the memory. Irving is thankful that Nicole finally knows the truth. He reveals that he thinks Rachel stayed at the hotel to protect him in spirit. He also reveals that he went out into the blizzard to allow himself to meet his sister again, as he can no longer handle knowing the truth. He leaves Nicole alone in the hotel. The epilogue shows Nicole in her car as her attorney finally gets through to her. Nicole tells him that she no longer wants to sell the hotel. She talks to her dead mother, her dead father, and Rachel at the moment she is preparing to kill herself via carbon monoxide asphyxiation. She ultimately doesn't, and the screen goes to black. Okay, there we go. We have reached the end. So the game has a lot of pacing issues, which I kind of alluded to before, in my opinion. One issue that I found with the game is that they built this incredible hotel, um, which we've talked about a little bit before. But another issue I had was with the mother. We're supposed to be surprised that she is the one who did it. But the mother wasn't really developed well enough into a character to be invested when the truth is revealed. I feel like that they needed to develop who she was more for us to feel the true impact of what happened, which is kind of what I was talking about at the beginning. I think they would have benefited with just one scene between Nicole and her mother. What are your thoughts on that, Morgan? Should they have developed the mother into a more, more of a character for that reveal to feel have felt impactful? Or do you feel like it was impactful enough? I mean, it, it, I, yeah, I thought it was impactful impactful enough so the idea for me like the big theme about this game for me was like repressing trauma like she had repressed so much trauma that she knew in many ways what her mother did without explicitly knowing like it's sort of like if you see your mom acting weird the girl you know your dad had a thing for is dead and she just knew like she could tell her mom was that you know what i mean but like she but not to the point of like pushing her mother into telling her or like wanting to ask her about it or you know what i mean like imagine like what that'd be like if you thought that your parent had killed someone um it's just a weird thing like i understand why she would have repressed it i will say yeah they're in order for these sometimes these games to work they do they'll pull some red herrings you know like you want that twist to be successful, so it's all. Sometimes it can be a character you haven't thought about in a while, or a character that you've never heard of, or what happened to be like. It, and that's going to vary from person to person. But I will say, finishing the game and then starting over again, it was interesting that opening sequence with her mother hit very differently, um, where she's like, you know, reading the the letter and stuff. So, uh, I thought it was it was effective enough for me. That's fair. That's fair. I um. Trying to think of how I want to approach this. Yeah, I I feel like that, honestly, I feel like my own criticism is well-founded and also isn't as open-minded as it should be, weirdly enough. And in, in what I mean by that is that I, I don't think that the focus was so much on the mother. I think more the focus was on 
the repression like you're you're talking about i read this book years ago incidentally um for a high school project and i say incidentally because i read the first half of the synopsis and not the second half and it's this book called mysterious skin and it's basically about these two boys and you're supposed to figure out the mystery of how their lives intersect uh one boy um he was abducted by aliens at a very young age so he spends his whole adult life trying to prove that aliens exist and that he was abducted and he's been institutionalized and um he's no one will believe him and then the other story is about this uh this kid um this young teenage boy who has a very rough home life and so he resorts to becoming a male prostitute an underage male prostitute to make enough money uh for him and his mother to survive and you're supposed to figure out how these two lives intersect and there's actually a very um there's a movie that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in funnily enough um and the the big reveal of this movie slash book which i'm spoiling now so if you don't want to hear that fast forward for the next 15 seconds but basically uh their baseball coach they were on the same baseball team when they were very young kids and their baseball coach molested both of them in the basement of his house and the the one who was abducted by ufos was so traumatized that he imagined it not as being molested but as being abducted by ufos abducted and, and, probed when, and stuff yeah when the truth that's comes out sad. he's just so mortified and that's pretty much how the the book ends is that he's like oh my god i just discovered this nasty truth and they both kind like of like it almost would have been together. better for them to believe that he was abducted. abducted because yeah exactly and so how i'm relating it to this game is the trauma is there like like you're saying she she knew at the end of the day she she knew and i think that she breaks down because she has that that visceral breakdown moment because she yeah. realizes that i basically blame my father for all of this which yeah he did have a major hand in but i put it all on my father when it was my mother who committed the murder at the end of the day and i wanted to blame it all on my father because my mother was never this kind of person. And I think the the true horror and when she truly knew is when um, she goes into so much more detail about it in the game is that when she saw her mother and she, the way she describes her mother, she's like, she was so terrified and she had this look on her face that I had never seen before. And I had never seen since then. And I think she knew right then and there that something bad happened, Yeah, but she wanted to, that's, of that's course, what I got too. She wanted, of course, to uh, ignore it. And she wanted to blame it all on her father. And I think she felt guilty because not only did um, her father, granted, he did a terrible thing, but he died alone. This this brother, Irving, um, to Rachel, also had to deal with this alone and it ended up killing him because he couldn't handle the truth anymore. Um, people died and like this one event basically wrecked two families and by her repressing it it didn't get addressed it killed people unfortunately and i think that's kind of how she rations it out in her brain and it was really affecting when irving goes dark on the phone because obviously he's walking in a blizzard to his death and then she hears a noise and she says who's there and there's nobody there 
except maybe the supernatural entity of Rachel. And um, it it was. Did you really ever figure out who this is? Who was who? Do you think was on that phone when that when she got that random phone call and that guy yelled? She's got that creepy voice. I was like, get out of the hotel. Remember that, that was phone Irving. call she gets? That was Irving. It just doing like a weird voice trying to tell her to leave, freaking her out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Irving the whole time. Like the the thing is, like when well, I well, no, I know Irving was doing some weird stuff, but that ho- that call when I went back and played it the second time, the voice on that call sounded so different and weird well, that I was. Like, I I, I, I think know. that. I still believe it was Irving because um, and maybe it was like the supernatural, her supernatural father, yeah, her dead know. father. I don't know. <laughs> her head. That, her mind that could be pa- on her, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like, I remember, so the se- the sequence that um, it was really interesting for me to rewatch is when she's moving through the hotel, when, she's, when she hears uh, a voice and she's like, all right, I got to go through the hotel or the noise and it's the chimes and it's the voice. Um, I like, I got the more distinct impression that that was actually Irving kind of orchestrating things to try and get her more invested in. I don't know if that's the case or not. Like I felt like he was probably playing a recording of chimes and playing it through the hotel and he was just making noises because there's a part where with her. she's trying, well, she's trying was, to, expl- yeah, he was fucked up too. So she was trying to explain what happened. And then I don't know if you remember this, but Irving didn't answer immediately, but you hear voices. And then yeah, also Irving yeah. comes right back to the phone. And I was like, Irving's yep. trying to do some fucky shit right now. <laughs> and so or like, yeah. Yeah. And there was, there was also like, um, if you listen, his vocal, his performance is interesting because whenever I first played the game up to that point, I'm like, this voice actor seems like he's a little amateurish. But when the second time through, I'm like, oh, he's trying to sound stuttery and awkward because he's not very good at sort of covering up this secret, which is like he's pretending to be someone else and he has to be careful not to trip on his words and he has to make her believe he's a FEMA agent, even though he's in this hotel with her. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that. Actually, the second time through was more interesting. I'm like, oh, well, now everything he's saying and, like, the way he's saying it actually makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah. But the reason I mentioned the, the trauma thing is because when I saw the butterfly floating and you were telling me you thought the room, because I was like, even if that was a shrine bed dedicated from her father to her, like, why did he build it a shrine to a 16-year-old girl that he was in love with and why did he make it look like a child's room? That was the one thing I was, like, scratching my head about. And you were like, well, maybe his perception of her in his mind was very childlike, which was disturbing. Was that your interpretation of it or? Like, yes. When I explained it to you, that was kind of my interpretation. And then actually going back to watching it a second time, I still feel like that that may have been the case, but it's never explained because maybe Irving is the one who did that. Like that's, that's the fucking weird thing. And that's how he, because like it could have been, it could have been Irving. It could have been Irving building this image of his sister because you remember he talks about her with, she with such reverence. He's like, she was this strong, yeah. beautiful woman, this young, this young yeah, girl yeah. who was above, like wise above her years, but people made fun of her. And um, maybe like he saw her in this light of like remembering when they were children. And that's why he built it that way too. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier with the, the, the plot holes of this game. Like the thing that leads up to that, she wakes up in the church. Why? 
Like, did she sleepwalk? Did Rachel, the spirit, guide her there? Did Irving pick her up and take her there without her knowing after drugging her with one of the cans of beans? Because he was clearly in the hotel with her. That's one. Of, like, that's kind of what I'm talking about here. It's like there are these plot holes that just aren't explained well enough. And yes, I, I'm I'm a fan of leaving some things up to interpretation. But her waking up in the church, this never happening before or again. Her saying, I've never slept walked before, or sleepwalked before, excuse me, that's the correct way of saying that. Are, are you supposed to believe that Rachel, you know, like, invaded her body and guided her there? Are you supposed to believe that Irving led her there? Like, what's the case here? And then when you you discover that room, are you supposed to assume that it was the father who did it? Are you supposed to assume that it was Irving who built it? Like, there just needed to be a little bit more context for some of these things to make it more investing of a mystery and to make it a little bit more uh, concise on what is going on like yes there are supernatural elements what is that exactly um because you want to know at the end of the day what the supernatural element is because the game opens up that mystery you want to know and then it's like they're like eh, we'll kind of go there but we're not well yes and no i i I agree with what you're saying. Okay, I don't agree with what you're saying, but we actually have, like, the same logic. Like, I like... The reason I like that is because I think it's fun, more fun to talk about than it is to know for sure. Like, was she... was Did he, like, sneak in there and knock her out and then and she ended up there? Was she, did, was she really just having all this heavy trauma for being in this place and she's hearing things and seeing things and she is sleep, sleepwalking? It doesn't matter if she's never done it before. She could very easily do it if she's in this really fucked up place. Like, I kind of think that the conversation is interesting about that, the mystery. I, for me, I don't really look at it as a plot hole. as more of, like, a uh, mysterious... Like, it's not out of the realm for me to believe that she's going through all this trauma and she could sleepwalk and end up in this church where she had a lot of pent up memories about what had happened to her. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I felt quite the same way you did about that. I did, I did like kind of go about the room, but whenever, now that you're mentioning that Irvin Irving, cause he was a kid, he very easily could have made that room f- instead of her father. And that could make a lot of sense. And th- I think that's, what's interesting about it. Like, I'm not going to make, you know, I'm not trying to explain away everything that you had an issue with necessarily, but I think that the, the discussion is interesting and, um, I, I like that there is some mystery there and, and, and how that manifests. But, um, the, yeah, the one I, thing, yeah. Oh, good. Good. No, no, that's the, go ahead. I talked long enough. I, I will say that despite having these criticisms, like the mystery that at the end of the day is there. I don't necessarily think it's a very difficult mystery to figure out, but at the same time, I think that they, the developers left enough open-ended questions as you're going through the game to make it interesting enough to want to solve. You know, I, you, you're wondering, is it supernatural or did somebody kill Rachel? Is she alive? Is she dead? They did a fairly good job. Like the the criticisms I have are not because I disliked it. The criticisms I personally have are because you wanted I've... to know more about why these things were happening. Well, yeah, I just think I think there was a lot more of a game that could have been there. Um, granted, it was such a compact experience. I wish the game would have been a few hours longer, just simply because then they could have explored the stuff and it it would have been even more investing. Um, 
granted, I understand money, resources, time, all those things factor in to play here. I totally get that. Um, the the criticisms the criticisms I have are because I think the game could have even been better than it already is in some ways. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Clear. I mean, like for sure, like most of the issues I had, ironically, were more along the lines of the gameplay, like fr- like getting lost and being frustrated at times and stuff. Um, and like we said, with stuff like the voice acting, like it was good. It was serviceable might be harsh but like it had it was good enough it was effective maybe not like oh my god these people are going to win awards kind of stuff so i mean i'm trying to temper the expectations there but yeah i i think i, I think, think irvin was yeah. irving was really good i think the others he was, were yeah decent yeah. to solid but irving's was really good it's just rachel and irving and you you grows on you yeah like i said you, the second you hear time her through father a, a few stuff. times as well yeah, that's that's true. I, the one thing I didn't agree with when I looked up a lot of the reviews, I wanted to see what the the biggest On criticisms the were. Sorry, um, that's true. The lawyer, the, <laughs> the mysterious lawyer. One of the biggest criticisms I found was that people were, and this is something I didn't quite understand, was that some people thought the game was trying to, um, that the game didn't like condemn enough, like the child abuse or the, um, the affair that the father had and sort of like painting the mother as the villain at the end. And that wasn't necessarily what I took from it. I feel like I feel like I didn't need the game to tell me that what the father did was bad because it wrecked these lives. You know what I mean? Like the mother was the one that killed Rachel, but you I wouldn't say you empathize with her because you're never going to say murder is OK, but you could see may potentially in the story how a mother watching her husband fall in love with this 16 year old girl and how she could maybe lose control at some point. Um, and I I just, yeah, I never felt like a lot of those, the criticisms I read, I agree with necessarily with, I the game like didn't con- condemn all these horrible things. I just, how did you feel about that, Shay? I, you know, I see what you're saying, and I see where some people would be frustrated because they don't come out outright and say, Hey, fucking a 16-year-old when you're in your 40s is not a good thing. Or you're in your late 30s. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. come out right and say that. But I feel like the developers did address it in some ways. Like when Irving is talking about his young sister and he's recounting the memories of growing up with her, he paints her as a child at the end of the day. Like she is painted as a child. and then. When um yes. when he talks His about the father first meeting her, he paints her as a child. And I want to believe that people are smart enough to say the developers are alluding to that this is not a good yeah. thing. And I feel like people are being pissed. Oh, I don't want to say that. That's not the right thing I want to say. Um, <laughs> I think people are being too demanding in this situation and i get why people would be i i don't want to say that it's it's a bad thing i i think people are being too demanding expecting the developers to come out and say child abuse and child having sex with children is bad well it's like yes we all we know it's bad and i get that some there are some people out there who have some brain chemistry (laughs) that's pretty fucked up and don't quite realize that and maybe need it explicitly stated but um 
But this I, game is not for them. Well, <laughs> this yeah, game is not for those. People. No, but I also feel like they made they made that point by him saying like, "Look, my sister was fucking young. Like when we grew up, people made fun of her, and then this guy came along and saw her for who she was." I think they made a very good point of saying this girl was vulnerable. That yeah, this girl yeah. was underage. Well, and, yeah. They made it a point to say that. And and Ir- the way Irving talks about it, not just in the words he uses, but the, the, the voice acting made it seem like it was wrong. And for me, yeah. for me well, at least. Like, the way he talked about it, I was like, yeah, yeah this yeah. is like, I don't need him to tell me that having sex with a 16-year-old when you're in your 40s is wrong. But the way it was addressed, I felt like, they didn't need to come out and say having sex with minors is wrong. I felt like they did it with the story and the performance of Irving. But yeah, I also they did it by I, you know I, ripping her family apart. So I mean, yeah, the, yeah. The, uh, the, th- the thing I do want to say though is I've never ever um, experienced like when I was younger. Uh, maybe I'm repressing memories. I don't know. That's probably not a good joke to make. But anyways, um, I I never experienced childhood trauma like that ever and so for some people if them having directly addressed that would help have helped them i completely empathize with that i completely get that and hopefully here us talking about that you realize we're not trying to say that them by them not directly addressing it that you should be okay with that. All I'm saying is for for me personally, um, and I understand I'm thankfully in a privileged place of never having experienced that, that it for me, it was perfectly adequate in saying don't have sex with minors because <laughs> that's a very bad thing, especially ones that are vulnerable. And um, if you have ever experienced any kind of childhood trauma, you as you, the listener, I'm deeply, deeply sorry. And if you find um, the game not directly addressing that or um, the way we're talking about it offensive, I, I deeply apologize because that's not the point here. The point is being that uh, yeah, how, how we view I don't it think simply. Most, and I want to leave. I want to make that very clear. Yeah. And I, I actually like games that ride that sort of that line of pushing the boundary a little bit like they did their research they know that there was a review i read where they were like they had to google the fact that in montana 16 is the legal age of consent and they did not know that that's that's not uncommon there's a couple states that are also like that but they had to double check and you know if you're if if you're 16 and your boyfriend's 17 you're in high school that's obviously different than a 40 year old man because that's um if you're a 40 year old man, you know, messing around, you know, there's, it's basically psych, you know, it's child abuse at that point, because obviously you can sort of take advantage of someone psychologically at that point. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things at play. Also even weirder, like the, the dad was actually very much, it was implied that he very much cared about this, this 16 year old girl, which made it even creepier. Um, and it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. I think that's absolutely what it achieves for sure. Especially yeah. when you think of your da- the dad as being like this intellectual person having these big philosophical debates with this pastor who also happens to be your dad. Like the whole thing is you could definitely see how the mother might fucking snap at that point. Um, cause it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. 
and um it is it's it's messy and it's messy for a purpose is what what i'm going to say and i i could see where people are are bothered by that but it's messy for a point like it i didn't walk away from that game being like gee i loved playing through that experience not that it's a bad game by any means but it's like i didn't walk away being like man i'm happy i experienced this story i was like man this is fucked up like this is really fucked up and like well it has the the first playable the truth is is like it's there's some validity to that there's some there's some you're supposed to walk away feeling feeling uncomfortable you're not supposed to walk in away being like man i love that i really enjoyed that i think i think you're supposed to walk away feeling uncomfortable because you're supposed to know that what happened there was wrong and you're supposed to you know obviously take that kind of forward with you um I don't know. I, I yeah. felt like it achieved. I mean, it has the first shade. Has the, for sure, shade has the first interactive suicide attempt I've ever seen in a video game. Which, by the way, I stopped her from committing suicide. What did you do? I did as well. Okay, I did as well. And there, I guess, has multiple. It sounds like a weird thing to say. Like it's a video game, multiple endings. But I under, my understanding is that there is there are two endings. Two endings. Okay, I have no idea what happens if you. Allow I assume time. she dies, and then the screen goes to black. I mean, either yeah, way, the screen I, goes I to know. black. But, um, but I, I mean, that's. I mean, people are going to respond to that intense. Like, I've never played a game in my entire life where there is an, an interactive suicide attempt. That has to be noted somewhere in the halls of history of gamedom. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, yeah. It, was, it was a little weird. Um, I, I didn't really like that to be honest with you. And I could see where that would be triggering for some people is, um, playing through someone's suicide, but it's effective. You didn't like it because it's unfortunately not. I, a I didn't thing like to it endure. because I, I feel like there, there could have been a little bit more build up to her not being able to deal with the truth that she repressed for all the years. Like you have that like moment where the, the bloody blanket is sitting in the basin and their retainer floats to the top, and she's sobbing, and then Irving goes and kills himself. I I I guess I would have liked a little bit, and this is kind of like this is actually kind of like the whole Game of Thrones uh, debate that we've had in the past. Is like I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of her descent into I just can't live anymore. I would have liked one more day of her kind of just walking around around the hotel being in that room feeling just fucking disgusted that she knows the truth that she repressed and then her going down to the garage to do what she was going to do. I think that would have been a little bit more affecting for me. And, um, I don't know, but either way, like anyone who has survived the suicide attempt, I think is going to find that triggering to be honest with you. And, uh, I would say if you've ever, 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 um, you know, had a suicide attempt and it's kind of still like one of those open wounds in your, in your, um, in your life. I would definitely not play this game because well, yeah, but there, you, you yeah, are, there's a you, warning you at the... are going to in it. Like Morgan is saying, you have a hand in committing your own suicide yeah. on that game. So I, and there's a warning at the very beginning of the game about suicide and grooming and the themes that you, had, but I will say that 
I agree with you. Like, I don't want it to make it sound like I'm excited about and playing a suicide sequence, but I just like, I want games to be able to take those risks. I don't want a developer to be like, no, we shouldn't put this in there because it's going to trigger people necessarily. There are, there are obvious things like you would not put an interactive child abuse scene in a game for obvious reasons. You know what I mean? Like there, there are lines you don't cross. I feel like, that has not that just did not that did not happen. But no, I there's definitely no agree that it was, I looked around in this. Yeah, I looked around. It was happening. I was like, "Is this, is this real? Like, am I playing a suicide attempt right now?" I remember it was like two in the morning or whatever. I'm looking around like, what "The fuck is going on?" So it was just very strange. I will never forget that until the day I die, for for better or worse. <laughs> I will never forget. That's true. That's true. That that's fair. Thing. Yeah, that's that is an experience I won't forget either. To be honest with you, it's something I you know as I've been sitting down this week to write little bits here and there. And then this morning, I still find myself reflecting on the game uh, for better or worse. So, I mean, that's ultimately what you want to do with the game is have someone thinking about it days after they finish it. Um, really yeah. quickly. Did you find the mystery to be a shock to you or is it something you kind of expected? No, it definitely got me. Like, I mean, I'm not one of those people that's really good about guessing that stuff, but I like the journey of sort of being like, ooh, I wonder what this is. So, yeah, they got me. They, they, I did not think that they would, the big reveal was going to be that she, didn't, she did not commit suicide and that she was killed by the mother and that you would end up trying to commit suicide. I would have not guessed that. So, yeah, they yeah. got me. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I mean, the, it has all the markings of that there, I think. Uh, but I think they did a fairly good job of kind of keeping you second guessing on a lot of things, but it makes sense when you think about it. Cause like Irving is literally the only other character you have any contact with besides the lawyer. So it's like, who is it going to be, you know, at that point. But I still well, think I that knew something was up with Irving, but even then, yeah, Irving did not kill anyone. He wasn't, he was just a creep, you know, a traumatized creep living in the hotel trying to get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it wasn't like Irving's the killer or anything like that, so. No, no. You knew something was up with him, but you didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrap this conversation up, as always, as we do with these episodes. um, Can you sum up your thoughts and feelings of the game in a few sentences and let the listeners know if you would recommend the game or not? Um, well, I will say, I just wanted to say very succinctly that, that I was glad I got the code because it pushed me out of my comfort zone a little bit into trying something. Um, I was more open to giving the game a shot because a developer had trusted entrusted us to give a critique of the game and provide coverage. Obviously, it's mutually beneficial. That's how it works. But I will fully admit that I was more open-minded because of that. I will say this. I put the game off because I was like, I don't know about this. I'm so busy with these other games. And I was tr- and I was trying to actually – this was an indie game. I was trying to push it on Josh. I was like, Josh, you check this out. But he was busy. And so I just – out of proximity, I'm like, we need to cover this game. And then I ended up popping it in, and I it was a one-sitting game um, for me. So I, if you don't mind, Shay, this will only take like 20 seconds. I just – I did an official write-up for the site, and I'll just read my very last – paragraph it's a couple sentences long um the suicide of rachel foster is the sort of experience that asks you how much execution you're willing to trade in service of experiencing something truly unique and unsettling most games that attempt to reach a higher level of player enlightenment don't achieve their grandest goals but in the pursuit they can still achieve something memorable 
Despite its flaws, this is a game that gripped me until the very end. It rattled around in my brain like the broken shutter attached to the Timberland Hotel, thrashing back and forth in the midst of a violent blizzard. The execution on a gameplay level isn't quite as high as similar games like Firewatch or What Remains of Edith Finch, but the experience as a whole resonated with me more. That's my, that's my final take. Fair. Would you recommend it? Absolutely, yes. Super cheap. It's like 15, 20 bucks. There you go. Um, one thing, two things I forgot to bring up actually right before I launch into that. They spelled a few words wrong, and this is where I told you I was being nitpicky. They spelled comfy, C U M F Y. Comfy. Ooh, comfy. That's my kind of comfy. That's right. And instead of sweetheart, <laughs> they spelled S W E A T heart. So it's sweatheart. Um, both of those made me chuckle like so much that like I was playing the game and I was like, Oh, sweat heart comfy. And I went right to my notes and I wrote them down. Uh, cause I thought they were hilarious. I'm going to send these to the developer tonight. I'm going to send them over and be like, Hey, look, Shay found some discrepancies. Patch it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Patch it immediately. But, um, here's what I'll say about the game. It, I, I'm, I'm going to be repeating myself a little bit here. I apologize in advance. The game is not supposed to leave you feeling good walking away. You're supposed to feel uncomfortable. You're supposed to have walked away with a sense of what I think Nicole is supposed to walk away with. Um, That you know the answers to the story and maybe you would have been better off not knowing. Um. Because it's it's something that's very uncomfortable to think about in the real world, is that there are children being groomed, there are children being abused every day, and it's extremely uncomfortable. And I don't think you need necessarily need a game to remind you of that, but it was it was definitely uncomfortable to play through. Um, and I think that it was interesting to have that kind of perspective, I guess. I really liked the atmosphere that they built in this game. It made me feel very paranoid and very um, nervous and anxious. I think they did such a good job with that. The hotel is super interesting. I wish they would have explored it more. All in all, I, I think I think you could, if you can find this game on sale, I would recommend it. I still think that um, some of those plot holes that you're hearing us talk about are for me they were they were detracting at times other times they were just funny at other times i was like oh you know what i'll suspend my disbelief i think that if you can find it on sale it's absolutely a game i would recommend um if it's a 20 dollar game i don't think i could recommend it i would say um there are other games in this vein that you could enjoy a lot more um i'm not going to list those cuz i feel like that would be disrespectful with us talking about this game specifically. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think I could recommend it if you could find it on sale for sure. Yeah. So do you have any closing thoughts before we close this book? So to speak, Morgan. No, I think me and you, uh, we can have a, like a 10 hour long discussion about a plot hole. Cause I think we have different ideas what a plot hole is, but uh, <laughs> on a comedic note, I think that'd be a good way to end the episode. I think so too. So, um, yeah, I want to thank you, Morgan, for being here 
and discussing this game with me and actually getting us the review code uh, because, yeah, I would have never played this game otherwise, to be honest with you. I want to, um, excuse me, thank the developers 101 Games. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us that review code so we could experience the game. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for uh, being here for another awesome episode of Chomping After Dark. Thank you so much for your support and be on the lookout. The next episode we are going to be doing is Crash Bandicoot 4. You don't want to miss it. And take it easy. From Suicide to Crash Bandicoot.